RPG lessons learned. When the game is over, when your players are gone, that's when lessons are learned. We are at RPG LL Podcast on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook, RPGLLPodcast at gmail.com, and check us out online at RPGLessonsLearned.com. Hi, welcome to RPG Lessons Learned, the show where you can learn from our mistakes. With me, as usual, is Brian. Yo. And Mike. Howdy. All right. Today, I'm going to interview one of you guys, and I'm going to force you to prep an adventure. I'm going to show you how easy it is. Who is my unlucky volunteer? Not it. It's me. Okay. <laughs> All right, Brian. So, we're just starting off. We're jumping right in. We're prepping an adventure together. You have no real forethought, right? I mean, I have a little. I would be lying if I said I didn't. Okay. But uh, we're going into this, for the most part, cold. I don't think yes. you have... You, you don't have villains picked out. You have no idea what the oh, villains no. are up to. You have no idea how you're going to reward your players. You have no idea any of that. All oh, no. you know is what we've talked about in the podcast before. You yes. want to run a game. Yes. Okay. What experience do you want your players to have? Like as characters or as the actual player? Um, You know what? Let's do both. What experience do you want your players to have? I mean, so... This is going to be for my game that I finally run, and I don't want to have somebody who's never, ever played a, an RPG, but at the same time, I don't really want an expert, somebody who is going to like try to rule rule general me all the way through. So um, someone who has some exposure, um, even if the exposure is just like from watching stuff on YouTube or listening to a podcast, uh, but I, I don't want somebody who's like a complete like neophyte or something like that. Okay, so that's that's who you want to play with. You want to play with someone who has, at minimum, some exposure. At maximum, someone who has played, maybe even a lot, but who you feel confident will not take over the game. Yeah. Okay. What experience do you want that person to have? And when I say experience, that person shows up to a common space, logs into a website, they sit down at a table with everyone, or no, they're, I mean, snacks... Um, what what's the physical experience for the player? So I we we're all going to be in the same room. Um, it'll be just a few people, I think, three maybe four, but right now I'm thinking three. Uh, and I mean, yeah, I think snacks are important. Um, in fact, I I want to have things at the table that uh, pretty well laid out. When I say laid out, I don't mean just like coordinate wise on the table, but uh, I want to have the table set up so that they don't really need to get up and, except for like a bio break. Snacks are definitely a plus. And I, want, I, want, I want it to be fairly well lit. I want it to be, um, I want people to be engaged, but I don't, again, want to, I guess, force engagement on people. Like when you have to coerce somebody into, uh, into coming along, I think you're probably failing your job of, as a GM or a, a meeting host or whatever. Okay. That's the physical experience. How about the game experience for the player? Not the character, the player. Do you want them to roll their own character, or do you want to hand them a character? Or do you want them to let them some middle ground? They choose from a menu of characters. I mean, I, I'll create... I mean, so you... So we're going to be, be playing Pocket Fantasy RPG, and you actually built up a really nice... I guess it was a JavaScript uh, tool. Pocket Fantasy is a system, um, and you're going to leverage this site. So and in, in this site what Brian's referring to, character creation in Pocket Fantasy RPG is literally 
limited to two choices, race, class, and that's it. Yeah. It's really simple. I was marveling actually looking at uh, reading the the guide, just how simple it is, which is one of the reasons that I, I wanted to go with that. Yeah, I mean, I would pretty much, uh, let's see here. There are, what, six, 24 possible. Uh, actually, like, not all of them are possible. So, for example, if you click on the ranger, mm-hmm. you, you'll see that only humans and elves can be rangers. Yeah. So, I mean, I would, I would, I would basically just have every version printed out. I mean, I, I'm literally using about 20 sheets of paper. It's not that much. Really? So the the intent for this, and I shouldn't challenge you in your experience, but since we're talking about the, the tool that I made, the intent for that tool was to be used on a phone. That way someone could extemporaneously decide what to be. Yeah, no, I, no, I totally, totally get that. And I think that's absolutely great. But for my comfort level, uh, for my first game, I want to make it as clean and simple as possible. Well, good news for you, and I'm, I'm advertising this tool a little bit, even though it's completely free, just like this game system. Um, if you go to print, there's a separate print style sheet, and you'll see that none of the questions, like the, you know, what race do you want to be? What, none of that prints up. It's it's just the race, the class, That's the awesome. equipment. Yeah, I mean, so like for like my second game, or if we're sitting at the table, yeah, I mean, I, I would just have everybody use their phone uh but for my first game with the people that i have in mind i would rather give them a sheet of paper and also um you know paper is part of the experience for some people and especially people who don't necessarily have that much experience with the 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 system or or uh, our tabletop rpgs in general i mean i would want them to be as comfortable as possible or as in a familiar situation as possible and i think uh, paper uh, probably gives people comfort because that's what they know. You know, it, it's part and parcel with tabletop RPGs. Okay. Now the players have arrived. They're sitting on the table. There's snacks in front of them. Everything's laid out nicely. There's plenty of room. Everyone's chosen their paper character sheet. You go to play. What experience do you want the players' characters to have? One of the things that you've done in the past is you've talked about how you should steal. Uh, stealing is good. So in my mind, the characters that, uh, the game that I was sort of want to run is based on, um, a movie and the characters in the movie are, uh, they're hardened. They're not a couple of them. Are, I would say are gritty, uh, but they're definitely, none of them are beginners. So I think the characters in my mind sort of range from, um, intermediate to advanced kind of like, uh, warriors. Okay, but I guess what I'm saying is, just at a high level in one sentence, what are they overcoming a villain? Are they solving a mystery? You know what? How about this? Let's let's start even higher level than that. Is this a campaign or is this a one shot? One shot. Uh, okay. They there is a what we would call a crime, uh, crimes being committed, and they need to get to the bottom of the crime and they think that it's tied to a theft that happens uh to i'll just tell you that the characters are are, are siblings um they think that it happened they think the crimes are related to um a theft of their property from years back and you said okay we're gonna flesh this out a little bit you said that uh you have you just like i do you're stealing from something else you're stealing from from a movie a book yeah. a game what's your inspiration 
So two different things. Um, so to avoid, like, to have, whenever I come up with a movie or something, typically it's rarely ever team-based. And the plot of the movie that I wanted to borrow from isn't team-based. It's about a single protagonist. So I'm basically uh, mixing uh, things up and taking two, two of my favorite movies and making them into one and taking the characters from one and putting them into the plot of the other. So it's in my mind. It's the the Earps and Doc Holliday from Tombstone, and I'm putting them in basically into the the general plot of Spider-Man: Homecoming, where uh, the alien tech was stolen uh, by the Vulture, uh, Adrian Toomes, and his crew, and they're committing crimes with it. And at the end, they basically have to, you know, Spider-Man gets the gets the tech back. Um, spoiler warning. It came out last year. <laughs> I, I didn't guess. say I didn't say whether or not he got the tech back. Well, I, I haven't. I still haven't actually haven't seen Homecoming. That's more than I had known about it. Well, I spoiled the first three minutes of the movie. Congratulations! All right, um, cool. Let's talk about the villains then. Let's let's pivot. And I always say when I talk about my prep, I prep the villains and the villains' plans, and then from there, it's easy for me to play extemporaneously. So. Who are the villains? What are I hear you that you have the Vulture from Spider-Man: Homecoming. Obviously, you're going to rename, reskin him, use his same voice, use his same personality, but you know, choose a different look, feel, whatever, so that the players don't recognize him. Do you yeah. have any of that? Yeah. Well, I mean, general general idea. So I, I it'll be so the races that we have. As far as player characters go, um, I I don't have the guide in front of me. Uh, I'm trying to remember if um, either goblins or like orcs or uh, something like that, some sort of uh, semi-sapient species, uh, if they're if they're represented in pocket fantasy RPG. So let's just take a moment. And, and and find out and show people how easy Pocket Fantasy is to deal with. So, Brian, if you will navigate to Google+. Plus, I'm there right now. And you can there, there's a Pocket Fantasy RPG community. Now, we discovered that there's another Pocket Fantasy RPG that's a phone game. And uh, uh, this is not that. This is not that. This is different. This you'll recognize some some black and white simple line art of uh, a fighter and uh, a thief. But uh if you're on the community, there's a de- if you cl- expand the about community section, mm-hmm. there's a downloads section that links off to a Google Drive. Yeah, I actually used to have this on my desktop until I reinstalled Windows a month back. So you can download the rules version 3.2, and you will find all the monsters on the third page. Let's look that up. Sorry, the fourth page. My that bad. makes more sense, doesn't it? Uh, goblin right there. So, I mean, there's quite a few things. So I can mix and match. I can have a cult leader, um, a couple of goblins. Um, yeah, yeah, I've got, I've got room to play around with. So basically in, without spoiling too much in the movie, I mean, the tech that does different things, the, the alien tech. So I could sort of align like one of my ideal mix of challenges would be against the, uh, against the type of villain in here. Well, let's start with the big bad. I mean, let, let, let's 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 just do this. Choose a monster from this list to be the big bad. Um take special note of the hit points. Yeah. 
Um, so, man, there's so many great options here. I would probably... And remember, now here's here's a key thing I was going to point out. We're going to use the the hit points. We're going to use the 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 CS, the damage. Um, but we're not going to worry about the name because we can always rename yeah. this to whatever. We're just using the math and the mechanics. Probably I would go with the vampire uh, because of the abilities that they have. Uh, they are, I mean, they are susceptible to, like a vampire, to garlic, sunlight, rushing water, and wooden stakes. I don't think that's going to come into play. Uh, but otherwise, I mean, it, I think those abilities, uh, energy drain, uh, they're fast, they have flight, uh, they're strong. So I think that works well. Uh, 20 hit points, and uh, it, I mean, it, it, it melee, mm, I, I can live with melee. Uh, I I think that works. D six is fairly hefty damage. Yeah, uh, against against a crew of four people, um, I I don't think it's I don't think it's that bad. And and most most of the uh, enemies appear to be. Uh, some of them are like D six minus three or D six minus two. Some of them are, gosh, this one is what D six two D six is that right? Wow, a chimera. That's um, D six times two. You roll one D six and you double it. Yeah, that's pretty substantial. So, from a one-shot perspective, would would oh, I'm you... sorry, the X2 actually denotes that the monster makes two attacks. So, yes, it's two d six. Sorry, Mike, go ahead. No, you're fine. So, from a one-shot perspective, would you be would you be leveling up your players before this? Would you be entering? Them I mean, I'd have to balance. I would have to balance the best I could. Yeah, with what experience I have and what insight I can glean from Dusty. Yeah. And I, I wouldn't plan to level up. And also, leveling up is not a huge part of this game. So I was wondering for, for his players to actually be able to encounter a vampire and not be wiped. How how does Pocket Fantasy handle that? Can you can you do a group of level one party members and have them successfully or even have a chance of success of defeating a vampire? So Pocket Fantasy, the, the actual Dalian, has all these items that you can hand out. Mm-hmm. The way you're going to want to level folks up is to give them lots of items. Yeah, uh, make sure they have healing potions. Give them some plus one armor. Give them some plus one weapons. Gotcha. So some of the tech they could recover along the way to encountering the vampire could give them that advantage against the big bad. Yeah, there you go. Cool. All right. What's the name of the vampire? We're going to name this thing. Michael you're gonna, Keaton. You're not going to call it a vampire. Yeah. Um, I would call it... It would be a play, of course, on being uh, some sort of bird. So I'm not going to say vulture. I can't say falcon. Uh so it'd be something like um I would just I would just look, I, honestly I'd probably just google some bird names and and pick one that uh sounds uh ominous. Why why not raven? Thank you. That's raven. a good one. That's a good one. Um yeah, I mean something like that. All right, I'll put raven for now. I'm going to That's note, so raven. I'm going to note that you're using <laughs> a, a vampire stats even though you won't call it that, um, and that's fine. All right, so we, we have the the name and the mechanics, and, and for the personality, you're going to leverage Vulture's personality. Yeah, in, in the movie, which is distinct from the Vulture from the, the comic. Okay, so do you feel like his voice from the movie is unique enough that if I put you on the spot right now and said, okay, he's just taken a hit, 
Um, he's taken his first big hit from the PCs. He's dealt some damage. That's the situation. Uh, role play me. What's what's his line? What does he say after taking this big hit? I mean, it, so it, the interesting thing is, since I'm drawing from this, I've got to I've got to think back to what he was like prior to the end of the movie. Um, so it, typically, and again, it depends on where where he is in the movie. So it'd have to be where it is in the game. Uh, but I mean, it, it it wouldn't be anything. It wouldn't be uh, anything elaborate. It would be like you'll pay for that, or um, you know, uh, do that again, and you know, I'll I'll kill everybody in your family. I'll kill everybody you love. I mean, it would be it would be something, uh, something in that general vein. Okay, well, I'm putting you on the spot. We're gonna do funny voices, man. Give me that line in his voice. Man, so it's it's so I I just want to I want to preface by saying this is hard because I'm not I'm not really in the moment. This is not really the battle. This is just a generic uh, setup. So I uh, put myself put myself in the mood. So okay, so the the battle's happening. Uh, the Wyatt Earp character uh, gets in uh, a good strong shot uh, on uh, or. A ranged attack on uh, the Raven. Uh, the Raven would probably look at him and say something like, um, <clears throat> "You know, I'll spare your life until you know. I'll spare. I'll spare your life first and uh, save you for last. After I've you know killed your your brothers, and uh, I'll let you. Uh, I'll." <laughs> <laughs> the the last thing you'll hear is the after the their 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 death. God, this sucks. The the last thing you'll hear after the you know their moaning is the cracking of your own skull, something like that. Well, there you go. Nice. So not bad for being put on the spot. Not bad at all. Um, couple things I'll point out is that the mood is constantly being broken at the table. You've got to lead the players, especially new players. Like, like at the beginning, you said you want players with some exposure, not a lot, and who aren't going to call you out. So you're looking to be more experienced than your players, which um, is a choice, and it's a good choice. It's not it's not the only choice, but that's fine. That means that you're leading the way. It means that they're going to feel weird about doing voices. It means that they're going to break the tension with a joke. It means they're going to suddenly crunch loudly on a Dorito in the middle of your mm-hmm. cool. So, so you've got to be the one to lead the way to getting into character. Um, and honestly, Brian, there's a million ways to do this. You don't actually have to use the character's voice. You could choose to use a third person voice and simply describe it. Which you is can... how I would normally do that. I think. Yeah. So you take, take a crack at that. So third person. So, Okay, you know, Ranger, excellent shot. You you you've hit the Raven. He turns towards you. The Raven looks down at the uh the opening in his armor and he he make he makes a, a a cold dead stare straight down, you know, through the the middle of you and he says that he will uh save you for last and after you listen to the 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 moaning of your brothers, you'll you'll hear the cracking of your own skull as things go black and you hear your own death rattle, something like that. That was great. Mike? I agree. That was great. All that right. was, that's a, that's a very effective line and, and would pull, pull me as a character closer into the combat. Cause you've now you've raised the stakes and you've made it personal for my character. So yeah. Tell me about the Raven's henchman. So, um, I mean, they're going to have, let me actually 
go back to I guess the the guide to see what my options are. I wanted to I wanted to fit in something like a, a ghoul or a goblin. Why as, a ghoul or a goblin? Those are two very different monsters. Well, I, I don't like, have I, well, I, honestly. You know, the ghosts aren't an option, and I always go back to Batman. When Billy D. Williams says "ghosts and goblins," I'm always I, par- I do love that line. <laughs> I'm partial. I'm line. partial to that. Uh, I, so I don't, the world I, was robbed from an excellent performance when Billy D. Williams never got to actually f- complete the Harvey Dent story and I become know. Two-Face. Yep. Uh, so actually, looking over the list, um, I guess I want the big bad to be definitely more powerful and imposing than his henchmen. But I also don't necessarily want them to be pushovers. So, um... Remember, this is a lethal system. And remember that this is their first game. And and you've already... Yeah. Vampire, 20 hit points. He's dropping a D6 damage, which is on the upper end of the spectrum. Not the highest, but it is on the upper end of the spectrum for the bosses. That's fair. The um, only bosses I see that are higher right off... There, there's a lot that also do a D6... The only ones I see that are higher are the dragon and the chimera, and that's it. Okay, so that that's very fair. So a ghoul has five hit points, and they do d6 minus two damage. Uh, I think five hit points is definitely uh, going to be easy to overcome, but that d6 minus two is certainly no slouch when it comes to uh, damage. Uh, but it is, I guess, next to... Um, least effective when it comes to, to damage. They also do paralysis. So if you have a bunch of ghouls and they paralyze a couple of, you know, even just one PC on the first turn, suddenly the four ghouls against the four PCs becomes four ghouls against three. Right. And then so, someone else gets paralyzed. It, it gets hard. The math is hard. And I want to point that out, and that's fine. There are ways we can deal with that, Brian. So, Yes. Let me let me insert so one thing. So even though we've described the challenge that we've had personally with CR, um, CR is still like a starting point. I don't see CR in this at all. So how many? Because in my mind, these are going to be uh, individual uh, encounters. Uh, but I mean, how often in, a, in an RPG is there just an individual encounter? So what's? I guess I could throw kobolds at them. Could be like minions for the for the henchmen. So let's use a human cleric as the average. So looking at human cleric, uh, we'll just look at cleric. Cleric has eight hit points, and they deal a d6 minus one damage. In general, all the CR math it basically comes down to if you have about the same number of hit points and about the same amount of damage on the monster side you can manage that combat and ramp it up to hard or make it easy just by different monster choices. Okay. So in general, if you have four, for for starting out with a new system, you've got four good guys, and the four good guys are going to have an average of eight hit points each. That's about 40 hit points total on the good guy side. The good guys will be doing, so a D6 minus one, that comes out to an average of Mm 2.5, right? Because a D6 is 3.5 minus one, so... So an average of 2.5 damage each round. So your four PCs are going to be dealing an average of 2.5 times 4. Brian, you're always faster at arithmetic than me. 10 damage per round. So you got 40 hit points total. You got 10 hit points per round. When I look at that vampire, it's got 20 hit points total. 
but it, it's dealing, you know, a D6 hit point per round, but it's after the, these characters have been softened up on some other monsters. So I still feel good about that vampire. I think that's going to be still a hard fight. For the bad guys, let's see. What can we drop on the players that has 40 hit points and does about does about 10 hit points of damage? Um, and it's going to be a number of, of, of things, right? So you like the ghouls, even though paralysis is going to be a force multiplier here. Yeah, I mean, I can change that. Or I could, you know, just have one of them. I I mean, I, in my mind, I want to have... Um, I mean, I'm looking at the kobolds. I think the kobold... Like, if I just want to start throwing numbers... Of enemies, kobolds seem to be the, and giant rats are both pretty. Uh, uh, I, I, you know what? I like your instincts because you're probably not going to have time to throw tons and tons and tons of bad guys at them. Let's go with the ghouls. I think five hit points. Let's let's maybe do four ghouls. Okay, and then the ghouls can get reinforced by some kobolds if the ghoul fight goes too easy. Yeah. All right, so four ghouls and four kobolds. The four ghouls, that's 20 hit points. The four kobolds will be four more hit points, but the kobolds do d6 minus three damage. So the four ghouls, I know this math is boring, sorry. 1.5 times four is Six. six. And then the kobolds deal... D6 minus 3, so 0.5 damage, times 4 is 2, yeah, 8, so it's an easier encounter, 8 damage, 30 hit points, this seems reasonable, let's start there. So how many encounters should I have? I think 2. 2. So, I think for the story, I would want to have 3, so what if I have that and, and did it in 2 encounters? Sure. Oh well. Well, what if you just go ahead and do three? Do you want your first encounter to be a pushover or no? Yes. Okay. So let's definitely do ghouls and kobolds for the second encounter. What's that first encounter pushover going to be? I mean, honestly, just kobolds. That way, you're not dealing with a bunch of different monsters or something else. I want it to be. I want it to be one. I think one enemy. Ooh. Um. I just just one. Semi-imposing, you think it's going to be a more challenging fight than it is. Potentially build up that you know, sense of confidence. Then the next encounter, we sort of take you down a peg by throwing more at you. Because they don't know how many hit points. Because I'm not going to do, which I love, but your uh, whiteboarding where you show how many hit points are left, I'm not going to reveal that. So I want to give them uh, sort, of a, uh, sort of a sense of um, peril by, you know, if there's like four or five uh, enemies... Uh, on the board or however you do it i want the or uh, four or five enemies i, I want them to, to sweat a little bit um, i like that i like that ogre check him out his his for a first combat he doesn't have abilities that are tough to manage no his abilities are hulking which means two extra damage to attack totals and large which means just that he's large. There's no actual mechanical thing. And he can cause some damage, but they should be able to take him out in, like, two rounds. Yep. Yeah, that works. He's easy to manage. All right, so an ogre. All right, now let's go back and, and layer some story on top of these bad guys. What What is... You're not going to call the ogre the ogre, probably. What is he in your world? 
Um, I'm not so they're magical items. What so he probably would be he would be strong and hulking, so he would probably have some sort of enchantment that uh, that they would recognize from some, an amulet or I guess an amulet. We'll say because that's nice and easy. He They'd could have, be the Paul Giamatti Rhino from from the. <laughs> yeah, he could be. Uh, gosh, I completely forgot that that movie existed. Um, yeah, I mean, he could be something like that, and he would be powered by, uh, I guess, an amulet that would have been stolen from. I want them to, to realize, yes, after after this combat, it is definitely the the the, the uh, loot or whatever that was stolen from from their family. So yeah, um, he would just be strong. It it would imbue him with power, with strength. Um, but we'd have to come well, up with a way let's for Let's go blatant. Is, is, there, is there a specific character from either movie, Tombstone or Spider-Man Homecoming, that you'd base him on? Remember, what I'm looking for here, Brian, is a voice that you can easily slip into. Fair, fair enough. So in the, um, in the uh, Spider-Man Homecoming, most of the villains are enemies are pretty generic. So he would probably be Curly Bill from Tombstone. Ooh, yeah! Leading off with Curly Bill. Yeah, Curly like Hulking, exploding. Curly, curly Bill. Curly I mean, so Bill. he would be like he would be brash. He would be uh, he would be confident. He would be um, I guess wizened by uh, years of uh, being a, a bandit. Uh, but he 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 is not. Um, he's he's the leader in the mo- in in tombstone he is the leader of the the cowboys to begin with but um that it doesn't matter in this i think the character probably makes the most sense uh especially well, because about that scene when when he's all opiated you know laudlumed when he's smoking opium yeah he's when he's in the opium den and he comes out and he's shooting at the moon yeah and he's going crazy and yelling that's him drunk with power on the yeah. amulet. Yes, I love it. And, and then the sheriff tries to stop him, and and it looks like he's going to take the amulet off, and then all of a sudden he rips the sheriff apart. Yes, yes, love it. You can completely steal that scene. Totally. Okay. Spoil- so the, spoilers for Tombstone. Spoilers for Tombstone. <laughs> it only came out 25 years ago. So, Curly Bill, awesome. Feel great about that. The Goblins and the Cobalts, who are they? Um. So, I'm thinking they're probably just going to be more, I hate to say generic. That's, that's a, I said goblins. I meant uh, ghouls. The ghouls and the kobolds. Um, so I guess I'm gonna have to draw from a couple different things. I'm thinking they they could be the Clantons. Um, if maybe like the the most powerful one could be like Johnny Ringo. Um, then like the one just a tier below could be like Ike Clanton. So is is the fight with the ghouls and the kobolds? Maybe there's an f- easier way to fast track this instead of having to come up with a character for every one of these eight monsters. We could just say, "Hey, um, this is the gunfight at the OK Corral." Yeah, general thought, different, but you know, different people involved. Actually, I guess the Clantons were there. Johnny Ringo wasn't. Um, it's all right. You can add Johnny Ringo to the yeah, OK to the yeah, OK Corral. Yeah. But now you have Ike Clanton's voice. You have—I forget the actor's name—but he played Lowell, Lowell in Airplane. Wings. Wings. He played Lowell in Wings. Thank oh, you yeah. very much. It's uh. He was a big star for like a month when he made that yeah. movie. Then he played Sandman. He did play Sandman. Wow, the Spider-Man connections keep on yeah. coming. It's All the right, crossover so, episode. So we have some voices you can draw from there because you're very familiar with those scenes. Yeah, I mean, so he he he's not 
like a character with a real voice. I mean, he's kind of generic, honestly. Um, All right. Let's connect these scenes. So I think we have a beautiful opening scene with Curly Bill, the ogre, causing a disturbance. The players come out to see what's going on. The sheriff tries to disarm him. He rips the sheriff apart, and then, boom, combat begins. Yeah, and they, they make the realization, yes, this is – this is they're, they're correct. Um, their uh, family treasure, family gems, whatever, were stolen, so they want to make their way to uh, the – basically the den of um, – I'm feeling iffy on that, Brian. Okay. Let me tell you why. So I think we have a clear scene to start with and a clear reason to get into combat, which is the hardest thing. How do players get engaged in getting combat? Okay, here's how. This guy's going nuts. No one can stop him. He's just killed the sheriff or, or, you know, we'll call it the captain of the town guard. What do you do? I think that hinting that it's these artifacts that give him this power is easy because there's the moment when he's about to take the amulet off and then he doesn't. That's clue one. Clue two is when he finally falls, you could have the amulet fall off of him, and all of a sudden his musculature changes. Yeah. So you can definitely clue people in as far as the the um, the artifact nature, the, the fact that his powers are, are, are imbued on him by this magical item. Why layer in the? You've got these players that are just trying to inhabit these characters. Why have a secret history? that you know about and they don't to the characters that they're playing. I think you're going to take away some of their agency. So, I mean, but that's part of the premise, though, right? Um, Like, the things that they know, they would know that they're siblings. Um, They would know that there were... were, uh, Their family uh, fortune was stolen from them, you know, a couple years ago. And they they're basically effectively destitute or whatever. I'm just you know freestyling, and they are <clears throat> they're in this town, which like in Tombstone, you know, they come to this town, but instead to find fame and fortune, they're there to get to the bottom of you know what happened to their <clears throat> to their um, you know their their family. To, they want to regain their 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 stature, their sta- their status. I mean, they would know about that. I mean, what do you think, Mike? I was just gonna say, why not? Why not give them the same background as the the Earp brothers, right? So rough and tumble lawmen who are ready to turn over a new leaf, coming into a new town, put their past behind them, and and start their you know new life as a prospector. But they fall into a scenario where the the existing you know leadership of the town isn't willing or is unable to stand up to the villains, so they have to take it upon themselves as you know men who are dedicated to justice i mean that would make it easy i mean if i'm literally just aping the entire uh plot which i think is honestly probably the point i mean that would make it easier well no i don't don't want you to totally i want you to draw enough inspiration the point is the setup yeah you're aping that but what are your what are your players going to do brian you're underestimating how much chaos your players are going to unleash on this scenario and you want to give them a ton. This isn't a. This isn't really an opportunity for you to be terribly creative. You're enabling their creativity. Okay. I mean that. I mean. I mean that makes sense. I. I. I do feel like it, I guess I may be trying to. It's your game. Them. I'm only challenging you. I'm only challenging you because I think that burdening their characters with backstory that's from you 
would stop them from feeling as free to act. I think you're going to set them up to keep asking you questions like, well, what else is missing? Well, what would I do? Versus, hey, instead of ex-lawmen, Mike, maybe they're ex-soldiers. Hey, this war has just ended. You're, you guys were a squad of soldiers. You've traveled together. You know each other. You know that you are good as hell in a fight. Oh, shit, this thing's happening with the captain of the town guard. And all of a sudden, they're swept up in this adventure. Um, they, they know there's this gang of people that have these magical artifacts. They find that out from the townspeople. Do they wait and go for the gunfight at the OK Corral? Or do they, do they try to like, – how do they handle that gunfight? They don't necessarily walk around the corner like the herbs. Maybe they snipe. Maybe they throw in some firebombs. Maybe they let them the, the Clantons disperse and they go after them in their in their hideout. Who knows? Your players are going to throw so much chaos at you. So with that said, is it even... F- so, so, so at what point do you assign a player character some backstory or task them to come up with it for themselves, right? So if it's someone new to a game... How much do you assume on behalf of the player? Great question, Dusty. What are your thoughts? <laughs> <laughs> My thought is someone's first game, make it easy. Yeah. Just make it easy. We've all watched that movie where, you know, an ex-Marine shows up and doesn't like the way things are going and you know uses their skills to, to wreak holy hell on the enemies and, you know, yada, yada, yada. We, we've all seen these cliché... Movies give you give your players a chance to live or experience one of those cliched B action movies. Okay. the the easier The easier the character is to inhabit, the more they'll feel free to act. And then on their on, if you turn it into a campaign, then you start asking them for backstories. Remember when DM Scotty ran us? He only asked us one question. Yeah. What's your goal? You want fame, money. Or just to survive. And that was it. And we were unhindered by by all this backstory. All right, let, let, let's tie the scenes together. So we've already talked about the ogre scene with the curly bill killing the sheriff. Um, you get word there. You get word to the player characters about a group of these gang members, you know, being generally rowdy and maybe uh, firing. What's the word I'm looking for? Recklessly. Around maybe a maybe an innocent NPC is taking a taking a hit or you know been shot in the leg or something by a stray bullet. Well, no bullets, crossbow bolt, you know, casual violence, whatever. So you you figure out a way to get him to the scene with the OK Corral, and then either Raven, the leader, comes to them or they go to him, but he's the last step in the adventure. So we have a we have three basic scenes and I think we have enough of a skeleton that you could on the fly get them from scene to scene do you agree yeah I'm, I'm thinking about it right now I mean again it comes down to what the actual game uh, how it actually plays out at the table yeah I think I could manage that yeah you gotta you gotta leave yourself room for them to do crazy stuff with just those three outline points you could make a whole lot of things fit let, let's, let's let's do a couple of scenarios right now and I know we're running a little bit long but I think that's okay. I think this is an important episode. So they, they find out, they have the ogre scene, they kill the ogre. Let's say they don't want to get involved. You know what? I don't see any reason to get involved in that and what's going on over there at the stables. Because it's not the OK Corral, it's the stables now. I don't see any reason to go on. Well, okay, then you start throwing NPCs at them. Hey, you know what? A young woman walks past you and, and you know she's been beaten up a little bit. 
a young man walks past you and he's bandaged. His face is bandaged. They, they've they've given him a pretty nasty scar after they gave him a mean look. They, they, they just bully, bully, bully the town. And you remind those players they're playing heroes. If you don't want, if violence is a trigger for people, you, you robbery, property, whatever. We gotta have some law. Yeah, you you just it's like that scene where Sam Elliott's walking down the street in Tombstone, and he sees all the people are afraid. He sees the woman with the scar, and he decides he just can't keep dealing with this. He's or, gonna become a sheriff. By or it's now. like it's like where Bruce Wayne is flipping through the channels and Dark Knight Returns and all the crime and all the misery and. Yeah. So you find some way to motivate them to the OK Corral, even if they don't want to go. And even if they don't, I can bring the OK Corral to them. Absolutely. Same thing with the Raven. After the OK Corral, Raven's going to come gunning for him. If he doesn't, they can go after him. But either way, you can get to that scene, right? Yeah. Brian, I think we have your adventure pretty well laid out. Yeah, I think we do. There's one thing that's missing, and that's the denouement. I've said before that we're all narcissists at heart, I guess, and maybe me more some than others, but I used to love video games with single-player campaigns that made me feel like a big damn hero. You you saved President Ronnie. You saved President Ronnie and bad dudes. MechWarrior 4, you've got scene after scene of these NPCs telling you how awesome you are. You know, gosh, thank you for coming back to this planet. Thank you for freeing us. You're a badass. It just makes you feel good. I, I probably replayed... I've replayed mediocre games over and over again because the game makes you feel good. How are you going to make your players feel good after they finish this adventure? What are you going to reward them with? Uh, great question. I love that, actually. So um, so I think we subtracted out the, the, the background of uh, the, the theft of their uh, family jewels. So... Uh, I mean, again, basically, I guess, stealing from Tombstone, I mean, the cowboys in, in Tombstone have uh, become, basically, it's effectively martial law when you have vigilantes and criminals running things. Uh, people are oppressed. So once uh, Raven is no more, the the power of this, this band of... Um, uh, I haven't even come up with a name for them yet, but their power is dissolved, uh, and the people, um, the people are are incredibly thankful, and they want to basically uh, make you. Uh, they they want you to uh, take some sort of uh, formal um, authority. I mean, they they might even want to make you king. So I, I think back to uh, like the end of Army of Darkness. You know, and Bruce Campbell says, you know, they, you know, they even wanted to make me king, uh, and you know, he he declines. Uh, so, I mean, something like that. I mean, I would give them the chance to to like if they wanted if they wanted to become like uh, an oligarchy or something. I don't know um, the, the option to do that. They they can, or they can they can choose to uh, choose to decline it. Just something like that, where the people are so thankful they they want them to be like their. Uh, the new leaders of the world or something. I love the last scene in Tombstone when he's on that barge and that guy wants to, does he want to take a picture with him? On a barge? With, with why, Sorry. In the end of Tombstone, they're on that barge together and, and some guy, oh, Ike Clanton's descendant is talking to him. No. Is this Wyatt Earp? Maybe I'm thinking of Wyatt Earp. Yeah, I've, I've never actually watched Wyatt Earp. 
Are you serious? Yeah. Well, shoot. Oh, well. Maybe I'm mixing up my movies. Anyway. I mean, the, what the, I was... the last scene in Tombstone is... Um, I mean, it's it's the it's the, the Tom, you know Tom Mix wept. It's the narration of the. That's right. Can you do some narration like that? Just oh. to say, hey, you know what? You get so a couple things. Number one, I'd put it on. I'd put it on them. I'd say your heroes in the town narrate for me what your characters would do next, and get them just to, to tell you, kind of like the last scene in Animal House when it freeze frames on each character. Put it up to the players. And then jot down some notes as they're talking about that, and then tie that into some into some closing Robert Nitchum narration where give them this moment where, hey, you know what? Years later, you're old, you've settled down, and all and people are coming to interview you, and you suddenly have this moment where you realize that you've become a legend. And this story of what you did in this town, which you gotta name the town by the way, is you suddenly realize that story's gonna live on forever. Sorry, now I'm thinking of the end of I Am Legend, when he realized that he he was legend. Um, but I I really think you push the players for okay, what would your characters do next? Uh, and like I said, jot down some notes and make use of it in that closing narration. So can I real quick because I have to, um, just because we've talked so much about it, um, I'm just gonna I'm just gonna do it. The power of the cowboy gang was broken forever. Ike Clanton was shot and killed two years later during an attempted robbery. Maddie died of a drug overdose shortly after she left Tombstone. Virgil and Allie Earp moved to California, where Virgil, despite the use of only one arm, became a town sheriff. Wyatt and Josephine embarked on a series of adventures, up or down, thin or flush, and in years they never left each other's side. Wyatt Earp died in Los Angeles. Among the pallbearers at his funeral were early Western movie stars William S. Hart and Tom Mix. Tom Mix wept. Sorry, I just had to get that out. Did, did you look that up, or do you have that committed to memory? I have the first line, first couple lines, and the last couple lines committed to memory, but like most of it is just not there. So I think gotcha. that's your closing narration. Yep. You, you, you riff on that based on what they come up with for their characters. I love it. I just jot, I just take notes as they, as they talk, and I come up with something cool. All right. How do you feel about your ability to run this adventure now? Um, I, think, I think the only prep you still need to do is go back through the monsters, and I think you need an index card per monster type. Oh, yeah, absolutely. And you need to write down the abilities, because you notice on page four here, right, where ghoul, you know, fast. If you look over to the right, fast. This monster may reroll initiative and take the best result. You see that those yeah. those powers actually mean something. Yeah, it's not, it's, not, it's not just pretty words. Yep. So I think you would just need to prep index cards with each monster, and you'd actually want to write out the abilities, or, or just, or heck... You know, take this PDF and copy and paste onto an index card size and cut it out. But but just having some monster cards, I think you need some names. You find yourself a, a good long list of random names so that if they want to interact with the shopkeep or the innkeeper or the tavern master, you can act as if you always, oh, yeah, sure, the tavern master's name is Jarl. And uh, you circle it, you jot down Tavern Master next to the name Jarl that you'd already printed, and it seems to the character, seems to the players as if his name was always Jarl. I love it. I think I think you have some really basic prep to do, but for those of you listening at home, what we just did, Brian used two movies. They were his signposts for what he wanted to do, plot-wise, for, for his purpose, for his theme, for his tone, 
professional storytellers put these stories together. So he's going to inherit a lot of really good bones of a story and a lot of really good bones of good drama from professionals. So he's got those great bones to work with, even with the players, you know, causing chaos in it. And he's going to be able to slip into character. He's got lines he can use. He's got themes he can use. He's got a lot he can use from the from, from these movies that he happens to be incredibly familiar with. That's this process here is exactly what we're talking about on the show when we say steal, because you're not stealing the adventure whole cloth. You're stealing bits and pieces that you love, that you're familiar with, that you can recreate on the fly. Brian. My next game I'll steal from Transformers the movie. There you go. I'll be, <laughs> I know nothing about that, so I can't have that. It'll be a different conversation. We should record that one sometime down the road. I, yeah, that's like one of two movies that I know word for word. All right. I think I feel good about your ability to run this. I, I, I keep talking over you. How do you feel? You feel like you can run this? Yeah, I think I can run it. I, I, I want to go back and watch the movies a couple other times. A couple more times. <laughs> you, you guys want to come over and watch uh, Spider-Man Homecoming or Tombstone? I will absolutely watch Tombstone. In fact, I will close the show out on this thought. Well, Mike, let me give you a chance to talk first, and then I'll I'll share this closing thought of mine. I would love to watch Tombstone with you again. (laughs) Mike, you've been quiet. I know we've talked around you and not brought you in. Anything you'd add to all this that you've heard? I think uh, probably the one thing we didn't address right is kind of what we talked about in the beginning is Making sure your 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 players are up to to snuff to fight these these bosses you've put in there, um, I think that's one other thing you might have to think of is is how do you how do you give them a shot? How do you make sure they don't get party wiped on this one shot? And even if they do, that's you know maybe not a terrible thing, but maybe not a great experience. Um, but I think otherwise, yeah, you've got the good bones to a story. It sounds like you've you've got your characters and you've got your encounters. So really, the only thing left is flavor, and then. You know, thinking of some of the agency for your players. Damn, Mike, you're right. We didn't do that, did we? Yeah, it's all good. I think I think an easy way to do that, Brian, would be that they capture the amulets and rings of the monsters they fight, and yeah. they take on those monsters' abilities. Well, I was wanting to avoid that, so I'd have to. I would because I, I don't necessarily want to give them a bill. Well, maybe maybe I do want to give them the abilities. I think you need to if you want them to survive that fight with that vampire. Yeah. I guess I need to come up with the mechanics for that. No, you don't. They're right there on They're page four under monster abilities. Yeah, just give them the monster's abilities. So, you, so you'd have one player who could Hulk, but then you would need to come up with some additional items to give your players that additional edge. Yeah, that, that amulet that that first guy's wearing, that Curly Bill's wearing, look at the power for hulking. There I, just, the, I just basically have a card that says, here, now, whoever now, takes it, you have this. Yeah, now you do two extra points of damage to attack action totals. And your attacks may explode. Maybe you give the kobolds some stuff that, you know, since they're minions and they have one hit point, as long as, the, you know, they, they make that connect, the kobolds aren't that big of a threat, but they could they could have some 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 items that give them I interesting think, abilities. So if we have four players, if we have four players, I think we're going to have four non, what we would, I guess what we, in old terms, we would call like a, what a non-minion. Each of the non-minions will have special abilities. Uh, I think they we just have to assume that or hope or somehow mandate that each of the players, um, when they get the amulet or whatever it is, they give the ability to somebody else instead of trying to hoard it, you know, all the room like themselves. we would try to do. 
Yeah, to make myself the the one super powered player. Yeah, yeah. You yeah, looking at the ghouls? I think the ghouls have rings of paralysis. Like, Ooh. imagine a ring with a little needle on it. Yeah. Yeah, that's a good idea. Yeah. The kobolds, they're probably just followers. I mean, they don't have... They literally have no abilities. I think we've just made this game a lot more fun for the players. I think, I think we so have, too. too. Mike, that was an excellent addition. You're amazing, Mike. No. All right. Well, my my only closing thought, Brian, is that I've, I've had this movie thing that I've always wanted to do with Tombstone. I've always wanted to watch Kevin Costner's Wyatt Earp up until they arrive in Tombstone. And Ooh. stop that movie and start Tombstone. And then stop Tombstone. And I forget the name of it right off, but there's a movie starring Bruce Willis where Bruce Willis plays Tom Mix. Ooh. And it's about his friendship with Wyatt Earp. Wow. I had no idea that existed. It's it's a goofy early days Bruce Willis movie, but it exists and I have it on DVD somewhere. Of course you do. So <laughs> we, we we could do those three movies back to back. Okay, wow. I would do it. Hey, and if we can Basically, do it on if we can do it on a nice night, like before it gets too cold, I can have the projector out and we can do it as like a uh, an outdoor movie event. The entire life of Wyatt Earp in like seven hours of cinema. I, would do I was it. about to say that I have to start at like noon. Well, I mean. It, <laughs> Whenever so, in October it'll get dark around six. I think we can do it. Awesome. All right, that is RPG lessons learned for this week. Thank you for listening. People call them postmortems, evaluations, appraisals, reviews, retrospectives. We call them lessons learned, and we're sharing ours with you.